Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirate. by the Tigers on the hardwood. Hope Springs Eternal, ECU baseball with perhaps their deepest roster and most talented roster ever. Cliff Godwin, also others on uh, Media Day today. We'll bring you coaches' comments coming up in a little bit. Welcome in, everybody, uh, as we uh, also will be celebrating Conley's uh, Volleyball Championship. A quick chat with their coach coming up later on in the hour, Jennifer Gilligan. Uh, Happy for the Conley Volleyball team. Congratulations to them. They got a uh, sweep of Cox Mill on on Saturday evening and made made it through very, very quickly. Good competitive sets, but uh, Conley was a superior team against a very uh, big and athletic uh, team from Cox Mill. Uh, The Vikings played very, very well. So congratulations to them, and we'll hear from Coach Gilligan coming up in a little bit. Uh, It's great to have you with us here as we start things uh, on Monday. We know the Super Bowl now, uh, but uh, we can uh, bring in our guy, Ben Byram, here a little bit. uh, Ben Ben saw that ECU thing up close yesterday. Hey, Ben. Not exactly uh, what I would call fun. Uh, boy, Memphis is getting it together kind of at the right time. Uh, they shot 55% from the floor, 80 to 53 the final yesterday uh, at uh, Williams Arena Minji's Coliseum. You got to see Penny. Yeah, I got uh, to see him in the flesh up close. <laughs> he was the guy. So, uh, you, we all remember the dream team, right? We do. And then there was the dream team part duh which was kind of the one that Shaq was on. I think Barkley may have been back on it. Alonzo Mourning and Larry Johnson were on it. Uh, and I think Penny was on that one. That's the story I'm telling, at least. I saw because they played an exhibition in Charlotte back when, you know, Charlotte was a really, really hot uh, NBA market. Kind of an up-and-coming team with Zoe and Grandmama and Del Curry and Muggsy Bogues. Yeah. Well, well before your time, young Ben, but I mean, a time when they were big, a big, big deal. And I remember going to uh, see those guys play somebody in an exhibition, you know, leading up to the Olympics. And uh, obviously they were quite dominant, but Shaq, ignore, just seeing Shaq in person was enormous. Penny was just amazing. And uh, they still, you know, Penny was still a big legend down in Orlando when I was down there. A lot of people uh, talked about what could have been with Penny. The pinstripes. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but uh, anyway, we've got our, our Super Bowl set. Speaking of Florida, uh, Tampa Bay, who'd have thunk it? I, I still am a little baffled exactly what the reasoning to kick the field goal from Green Bay was and not go for it on fourth down. I think Aaron Rodgers is a little baffled himself. So, <laughs> You know, he said afterwards uh, that they were going to have to, a lot of people's futures were going to have to be reconsidered or considered his self included. Yeah. That's maybe that's just a little frustration in the moment. I'm not a huge Aaron Rodgers fan. So I, you know, I'm not that I was would have had my day would have changed it either way. Had he won or lost. Yeah. 
it was kind of cool to see him lose as a guy who's not just not a big <laughs> Packers fan. But I mean, if, if they had won, I think it was going to, I mean, that probably in some ways could have been a better Super Bowl. But I mean, we're just looking at now where the we get to the point every year with Green Bay, the NF, NFC is so blooming weak right now that a, I mean, I mean this is, it's just like a couple of years ago with Green Bay. They have the best record, but they, they win a lot of close games in the regular season. And I know whether you win by a point or a hundred points, it's a win, but it's not like they're blowing through people like others, like Kansas city have, and you know, they're barely getting through. And I mean, like I said, I, they got to be better when they got the 2016 all pro team on offense. You just, you got to be better. You can't be throwing three picks regardless of the situation. You can't get away with that against Kansas city. Cause they're going to capitalize. So you jumped to Tampa Bay there, but I was talking about Green Bay. I mean, they just, you know, this is a, a, a team that kind of gets through a weak and terrible uh, NFC compared to the AFC. Now, to, to Tampa, what you're saying, if we if, if Jameis Winston, now they wouldn't have played yesterday had Jameis Winston been their quarterback. <laughs> yeah. But let's just say Jameis Winston was in that exact same position with Tampa Bay because Winston threw his share of touchdowns. He threw a lot of picks, actually quite a few picks. Yeah. But he also put up some big numbers. He did. His last year as a starter. He put up some kind of wild numbers. If if that was Jameis Winston, he'd have been torched. You know, but it's it's Brady who does throw three touchdowns. But you're you are correct. They can't do that against Kansas City. The Kansas City thing's interesting because uh Buffalo certainly, I mean, racing out nine to nothing, should have been ten to nothing, but nine to nothing. I mean you get that break at the very beginning of the game with a fumble on the punt, and you got to have those little breaks to beat Kansas City, and then they just go on this amazing run. I, I was a little, I was like our guy Tony Romo. I was a little surprised at the end of the of the first half when Buffalo had it with about 14 seconds to go in a fourth and goal. They don't try to go for it and score a touchdown because right, you you can't just settle for field goals against. It's not the regular season anymore. This is the playoffs. Right. I don't I don't get the logic in a lot of these coaches thinking, why are you not trying to go for the touchdown in the in the Green Bay game if you're the Green Bay head coach and why are you not well, trying no, that to go made, for, that made absolutely no sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean that that could completely dismantle your franchise. I mean yeah. that, that's that's heartbreaking. That's pretty deflating. I saw a great stat today uh that the Brady, this will be Brady's 10th Super Bowl in 55 Super Bowls, right? So that's 43%. That is a greater percentage than made Steph Curry threes. Curry's a career uh, 42% three-point shooter. Wow. It's something like that. It's 45% versus 43% or 43 versus. Point is, I mean, we, there was a time when Steph Curry shot the ball. It was automatic. It was going in. Your expectation, and even today, in some respects, when he shoots a three, you expect it to go in, right? Tom Brady is a greater percentage of making the playoff, of making the Super Bowl, <laughs> than, than Curry does making a three. I just thought that was kind of a cool stat. We'll have a ton on the ramp up to the Super Bowl. We usually try to get guys like uh, – Terrence Copper, who played with Kansas City, and uh, our guy Big E, Robert Jones, who's won Super Bowl championships, played at ECU. We'll get all those guys in the coming weeks, talk to them. Uh, it's always fun to do that. They love to talk uh, football this time of year, especially with the Super Bowl coming around. 
Uh, so we'll get to uh, all of that in the coming uh, weeks. Uh, we're going to have our Pirate Report ECU baseball. Some of the big stories out of that uh, include uh, kind of what the pitching staff's going to look like. I mean, it, it's interesting. Uh, Coach Dietrich was coming in a year ago, didn't really know any of the guys. There were some you know, talented arms that were younger guys, but they weren't uh, veteran guys necessarily. And now he's got uh, a pitching staff that he's much more familiar with that is much deeper you could certainly say than the one a year ago and has guys on it that are uh, possible draft picks again. Uh, the pitching depth for the depth for the Pirates this year is uh, is remarkable. There's a lot of depth in the outfield. You have a lot of different guys that can play a lot of different positions. So Cliff Godwin has a uh, team that is uh, going to be uh, ready to go on the 19th. The question is, how many games can they get in? And I, and I know Coach Godwin is in, intent on trying to keep the ECU baseball bubble as tight as they possibly uh, can. Uh, ben, you watched the uh, pay-per-view or you did not? I, I actually, in everything I was involved in, and then with the football and, and staying on top of the pirate stuff, I, I had no idea there was a, a Conor McGregor fight this weekend. The buildup for it was terrible. I mean, a lot most people didn't know that there was a Conor McGregor fight this weekend. So it, it really seemed to me that the buildup was as bad as the fight. The fight was awful, apparently, if you're a McGregor fan, at least. And the pay-per-view was not good. Your guy, Darren Ravel, was uh, lamenting that. Do uh, they have issues with yeah, the pay-per-view? Let me tell you right now, I don't care what Karen Ravel says. <laughs> I mean, his, what he says, what comes out of his mouth has no validity to me. So we, we could drop the Darren Ravel, Karen Ravel thing here. I wanted to get you fired up over your guy Ravel. I don't like him. He's he's, no, he's such don't. a nerd. But see, but it's personal with you. It's not. I mean, you. It's easy to do everything that everybody else does. Ravel's been on this show, and then you you very politely and respectfully uh, tried to help me book him, and he he kind of shot you well, down. Well, he, was no, little, he, he didn't shot he, shoot me down. He lied to me. He lied. Okay, yeah, he I didn't lied. Know this. Yeah, so. I didn't realize he fibbed. Well, then don't lie to my guy, Ben Byram. I don't yeah, like that. It's personal. <laughs> don't lie to Ben. <laughs> don't, don't lie to B-Baby. I'll never forget. Um, yeah, never forget. I hold grudges. Hashtag never forget. Well, apparently you do. I'm, I'm a little surprised. But, yeah, um, the pay-per-view was – it definitely was a debacle. So what happened to McGregor? Because you're our – you're our – not contact. What is it? Uh, a combat sports aficionado. Uh, you have a passion for it. So what happened? Did I, the, the – did he just not look good? I think since his prom, the division has gotten a lot better, and McGregor uh, never evolved. Um, gotcha. And it, it seemed like maybe he did try to evolve his game, but the problem was he completely changed what made him great from his stance to his boxing style. Everything changed. I don't know what's going on with his gym or his training, but clearly it just didn't work. What basically happened is Dustin Poirier took advantage of the leg kicks. Made He got it to the point where his leg was dead. And he capitalized boxing, knocked him out. It's basically what happened. Simple as that. Was this the one where our guy from um, Wilmington was involved, or is that later? That, that's later on. Later on. Okay. You act like you didn't. I, I, I don't know what I'm talking I, I was, about. I wasn't quite sure what, what you meant there. Our but. guy Brunson. Isn't our guy wasn't his name? I don't want to get his name wrong. I don't think Br Brunson was, uh, wasn't on this pay-per-view. Okay. All right. But he did. But he did fire at his tweet. Did kind of blow up because he fired at Conor McGregor haters. Oh, did he really? He did. Yeah. He came to the aid of McGregor. Yeah, he was like, "Say it to a fighter's face or whatever." And it's like, yeah, the typical. See, there's a guy you're tight with. Yeah, Brunson's a cool dude. We showed him love. He's got a fight he became, coming up. Big fight coming well, up. That's what I was getting at. 
We showed him love before he was a big time. Uh, you can get him back you know, on. Big time fighter. All right. Um, we'll grab a break. Our pirate report is coming up, right, Ben? We got that ready to go? We're ready. Big, big uh, day today. Coach Godwin, ECU baseball media day. A little different. It was handled via Zoom this year. No center of field. The, uh, no, no center field when we return. We're going right into the pirate report because we got a lot of Cliff Godwin comments to get through. I don't think we're going to have the Coach Palumbo and Coach Dietrich comments. We may have a couple for the back end of the show today if time allows, but we, we kind of, you know, with the preseason, and those guys were great too. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. We want to give them, you know, time because they had some really good insight, especially Coach Dietrich uh, had some tremendous insight. He's just a, a really uh, a cerebral sort of guy and a really nice guy to, to talk to. Both of them are. Uh, but we'll hear from Cliff Godwin on the other side of this timeout. Also, Conley's uh, volleyball coach, Jennifer Gillikin, will join us later in the hour here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Stay with us. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. Some news from earlier today around Pirate Nation. Uh, it was made official this afternoon, something that uh, was first reported by Yahoo Sports. Yahoo Sports first reported that uh, Tim Doust has been named to Mike Houston's uh, staff as a defensive coach. Also, will be the Pirates special teams coordinator. So uh, there you go. That uh, made official today uh, via ECU Athletics and Coach Houston for uh, Pirate football. Rough weekend for Pirate basketball. On the back end of this, we might uh, get to some of the audio. I think the less said, the better. Uh, we are planning a special 90-minute edition of the show on Wednesday leading you into network coverage of ECU and UCF from Orlando. So stand by for that. Uh, but uh, as far as Pirate basketball news, looking forward, the game against Temple slated the day before Valentine's Day on the 13th has now been moved to noon. That game will be played in Greenville. The two will make up uh, the game lost to COVID earlier in the season. On the 11th, which is a Thursday, that'll be a noon game as well. So it'll be a 12, or rather 11.30 air time here on 94.3, the game that day. And uh, we'll have Pirate Hoops for you at high noon on uh, the 11th. Uh, should not interfere unless it goes into a record amount of overtimes with the Patrick Johnson show that day. So we'll become the, the post-game destination for Pirate Hoops on uh, the 11th. Certainly COVID-19 uh, with an imprint on the Pirate basketball season and on the ECU baseball preseason. We usually gather this week with Coach Godwin in person at Clark LeClaire Stadium, but uh, because of COVID-19, we had a Zoom uh, preseason uh, get-together. We uh, heard from uh, Coach Palumbo and Coach Dietrich, the uh, pitching coach. Uh, probably we'll get to that audio uh, in full uh, tomorrow and throughout the week as we have plenty of time here, but uh, Coach Godwin wanted to bring you his comments today because there were plenty of them. Uh, Coach was first asked about uh, did he believe that when the season got uh, halted in uh, mid-March last year, would he uh, still be dealing with COVID in January of 2020? And, and by dealing with COVID, would the program still be dealing with COVID in his wildest imagination? Here's the answer. I don't think I would have ever dreamed to be kind of dealing with COVID, not kind of really dealing with COVID um, dating back to whenever the season was canceled last year. I mean, when you look at it, we've almost been dealing with this for a year now. Um, and, and people ask a lot, like, or say, hey, we're so sorry what happened to you guys last year. And 
look, I, I lived in the moment of the season being canceled for maybe a day or two, and then it's just on to the next thing with our guys. And the first thing that we could do last spring was control our academics. And we got a 3.61 team GPA, uh, which was the highest team GPA we've ever had. Back that up this fall with a 3.598. Um, so the guys have done really well in the classroom. But no, I didn't. But as we all know, we're just really happy and excited and our guys are super pumped up that we're going to have the ability to go out there and compete this year. And of course, it's going to be different. And, you know, we had already banked on no fans. That That's the way we had prepared ourselves mentally. Now, are we keeping our fingers crossed and praying and hoping that by May or June that there's going to be fans in the stands, of course, but uh, we're just taking it day by day. And as I've told our guys, dating back to when we got together in the fall for the first time, every day is a gift. And we've really gone about that every single day, taking every day as a gift and an opportunity to be together when at times, of course, we were not together in the spring. Uh, physically, we could be together virtually. But um, I know for me as a coach, it's definitely strengthened the relationship with our players even more, just being able to be around our guys and uh, treating every day as a gift. Pirate Report, an extended one with uh, Coach Cliff Godwin and his preseason baseball remarks. Lots of stuff to get into as far as personnel on a deep Pirate roster. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the question that Coach Godwin was asked, and that is managing the roster. Now, uh, Coach will tell you that uh, those decisions were made really uh, late uh, spring, early summer as far as truly managing the roster, who would be back, who would be moving on. Uh, as far as uh, what this means for the fall of the depth of this Pirate roster, Coach uh, explored that in his question, saying that this all dated back to the spring. The NCAA said that the seniors could come back, the drafts being reduced, and a lot of uncomfortable conversations that I had with some players that were a part of our program that are no longer a part of our program. And uh, I have really good relationships with our players and Sometimes the conversations are not comfortable, but uh, there there's some guys that probably would be here that are not here right now. But with the way COVID has affected guys coming back, the draft being reduced, guys had to entertain other opportunities to go elsewhere, which I just was really honest and say, hey, it's going to be tough for you to play. And, and of course, I want those individuals to be able to go out and compete if they feel like they can do that somewhere else. So for us, it really was managed back in – April and May more so than this fall. I mean, once the fall was here, you kind of have your roster set for what it's going to be in the spring. Coach Cliff Godwin then asked about where his uh, team was as of now in the preseason and with uh, less than a month to go before opening day and uh, referenced was uh, the COVID cluster within the Pirate Baseball program. You mean we had some COVID issues because, you know, everybody said that we had a cluster. So always – I laugh a little bit, not that COVID's not serious, but just a defined cluster, which I'm sure all you guys know because you guys are in the media, but that means five or more. So we have 40 players. So no offense, five's not that many. Um, I'm not saying we had five or we had eight or we had 12, but five's not that many. The, the other thing is because a lot of our guys went through COVID and COVID protocols in the fall, we have right now 18 guys that have antibodies. So uh, almost half our team have antibodies right now, which is is awesome because they still have the antibodies to fight off the disease. So um, we do still have uh, quite a few guys that are in the COVID protocol. We should get most of those guys back 
either late this weekend or um, early next week, depending on all their blood work and the EKGs and the return to play stuff. But uh, we're excited to just get out there and compete this weekend, which we will scrimmage Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday, weather permitting. Mark Lindsay from Pirate Illustrated with a question about the uh, the roster as far as its makeup and intangibles that a lot of these veteran pirate players and key newcomers bring to the 2021 pirate baseball team. That's a good question. Uh, number one, our guys have all said to us as coaches that the one thing that COVID has allowed, going back to the spring Zoom calls, the summer Zoom calls, when we got the freshmen that are now on our roster incorporated into our team and just getting them going with our culture, is that because they're creating such a tight bubble in the fall, they've become closer to one another. So the, the positive is they, they have better relationships probably than any other team that we've ever had here since I've been the head coach. And some of it was forced because of COVID. But, man, you talk about guys that really care about one another, and I think we have that. The challenges for us is they, they are super close. So at times at practice, they maybe joke around too much and maybe not be as locked in. But other than that, it's been a tremendous asset for us that our guys are super close to one another. Coach was asked about the upcoming scrimmages at Clark LeClaire this weekend for his pirate team. Well, we need to play live baseball. You know, it, it's one thing to go out there and do a coach pitch scrimmage, but to get the pitchers facing live batters, get the batters to face live pitching, that's going to help us get prepared for February 19th, whether we're playing Rhode Island or somebody else. You know, that's the other thing that we've prepared our team to be able to do is, look, we could be called in a moment's notice and say, hey, look, we can't come play you because of COVID protocols, and we will do everything we can to just go play baseball. So um, our guys are super excited. Uh, you know, uh, once we got back from Christmas, I know they've been looking forward to that February 19th date. Uh, they feel like it's probably tomorrow, which there's a lot of work to be done between now and February 19th. Coach Godwin had uh, alluded to this in a few previous answers, but he was asked point blank, does this have the potential to be the uh, deepest pirate baseball roster in his time in Greenville? Definitely has the potential. You know, we need to, you know, stay healthy, but I think we probably could maneuver through some injuries better this year than we've ever had been able to in the past, especially on the mound. And as we know, injuries are part of playing sports. So um, I, I want to fall in and take what Nick Saban said and just kind of be a copycat, I guess. But we don't want to look at those guys that are on the bench as uh, backup players. They're just starters that haven't got into the game yet. So we want our guys to all be prepared. We've talked to them also about that more so than ever, the guy that stands next to you playing your position has got to be more ready to play your position than they have ever have been before because of COVID, because of the contact tracing. So we want to be able to go out and look, our goal is for me, for us, ECU baseball to play every game possible that we can play. And I look at Alabama football, I look at Clemson football, um, and those are just two because I follow those two teams pretty closely. And I don't think they ever missed a game because their COVID issues or their COVID protocols. I'm not saying we couldn't miss a game because another team has an outbreak, but we want to control everything we can control. And if we can do that, then we're going to put ourselves in pretty good shape. Now we get to some uh, specific players in today's Pirate Report. Again, this is Coach Godwin at today's Pirate Baseball preseason media day via Zoom. Cliff Godwin asked about Thomas Francisco. 
Uh, we wanted to get Franny a lot of work in the outfield just because he's never been out there consistently. And I'll tell you this, our coaches have been uh, thrilled with his adjustment to play out there. Um, he will either play left field, first base, DH, but he, he'll be in the lineup. So don't worry about that. But he, he'll either play left field, first base. But he also can play third still, um, you know, in a pinch. So um, we need that guy in our lineup. All right, uh, scattershot approach with the questions here. It was a media gaggle today, Pirate Baseball. Uh, preseason media get together. Cliff Godwin via Zoom. We heard from the other assistant coaches. We'll bring you that audio later, but uh, this is Coach Godwin's Q&A. He was asked about players that have made gains, uh, either in the weight room or otherwise, since the Pirates last played. Well, I'll go back to just the COVID um, time in the spring. You know, one guy in particular, actually a few, but the one that jumps out to me to start with is Ryder Giles. Um, you know, Ryder played tremendous shortstop for us in a brief amount of time last year, but a guy that did not make one error the entire 2020 calendar. So that's the 17 games we played in the spring, plus the however many games we played inner squads in the fall, which guys got up to 70 at bats. So a, a lot of baseball, that's pretty impressive, but he got stronger, he got faster. Him and I were able to work on his swing virtually, um, you know, during the spring and, and he's a much better hitter today than he was last spring, and that's a credit to him and the way he went about his business. Carter Spivey is another guy that went home and really worked on his glove side command of his fastball and tightened up his slider. And Coach Dietrich and Coach Knight and Spives really worked on that during um, the quarantine period, and he was a different guy um, when you look at it. And in the fall, the guys that really stood out of making big jumps to me was Carter Spivey, Carson Wisenhunt, Ryder, uh, Seth Cadell. Uh, Seth made as big a jump for me and our staff from a mentality standpoint. Caught every inning of an inner squad, took foul tips off his body. Uh, I think he struck out three times and close to 70 at bats, tied for the league in home runs with Norby with five. So a guy that really has put it together and is a much better player today than he was a year ago. Certainly pitching will be a huge uh, advantage for the Pirates this year in depth of pitching. Uh, they have five guys, as you'll hear Coach Godwin here, that are competing for those uh, weekend starting spots. Tyler Smith, of course, Gavin Williams, the junior, and uh, Cooch Maynard as uh, well. So uh, Coach Godwin discussing uh, that, those three in particular, and others that uh, are in line to perhaps be starters for the Pirates this year. The key will be in a COVID year, make sure everybody's ready to go. There's five guys that really came out of the fall that are going to compete for those spots, and, and you mentioned three of them. Gavin Williams, Tyler Smith, Jake Kuchmaner, but the other two are Carter Spivey and Carson Wisenhunt. Uh, Carson's uh, ceiling is as high as anyone I've ever coached in my life, and uh, that's not to add pressure on him. I told him he just needs to go out and do what he did in the fall. If he does that, then we'll be in good shape. But six foot four lefty. 90-95 with a wipeout breaking ball and has been able to manage his emotions a lot better than he has before. Now, the kicker is going to be is can we do that with another jersey in the batter's box? Because as we know, that's different. Um, but those five guys really did a great job of taking the ball, starting, and making it really hard on our hitters. Another guy that could start is Cam Colmore. And, and Cam's obviously been a swing guy for us, a lot of different roles, but Cam would be in the mix if something happens, um, somebody gets hurt, 
COVID protocols, and we feel very confident with Cam and what he can do. Um, another guy we're trying to just push his pitch count a little bit is Skylar Brooks. So uh, we're trying to develop as many starters as possible because, as we know, with COVID, uh, you, you might get dinged for contact tracing and you might have a guy miss a start. So we got to have a lot of guys prepared. Tristan Kimmel, another guy that started for some last year, and he is his stuff's a lot better. And if we can keep getting him to treat every pitch like a separate entity, then he's going to have the ability to do that as well. And this is uh, Coach Godwin asking a, a specific question about the role for uh, C.J. Mayhew, who uh, started to perform well against Mississippi uh, last year. What will his role be like uh, on this uh, pitching staff in 2021? Here's Cliff Godwin. Well, the one thing I have learned with just the minimal amount of media interviews I've done is sometimes I forget because we do have more pitching, but Mayhew is a guy that could potentially start. But, um, you know, if we were to play this weekend, him, Matt Bridges, Ryder Giles, Garrett Saylor, um, and and Cam would be kind of those go-to guys out of the bullpen. Um, And, of course, we've got some freshmen that pitch really well at times, so – there's a lot of different options, but we're definitely going to hand the ball to those guys to start with because they've got a track record of doing it at a very high level. A favorite of Pirate Baseball in recent years, Turner Brown, back this year with the uh, program as a graduate manager. Cliff Godwin is explaining that to us. He sure is. So the way the NCAA rules work are uh, if you're a graduate assistant, you have to have played at that school and you also have to be within your five-year window. So Turner playing a year and a half of professional baseball, and he's not considered a graduate assistant coach. He can be a graduate manager. So Turner does want to get into college coaching at some point, so it allows him to be with us every single day. Um, As a player, you get to see, you know, mostly of what the coaches do, but it's always amazing to me, even the guys that are the most knowledgeable about our program that play for us, then they – see how many hours that the coaches work and they're here before every player gets here. They leave after every player has left. And so he's getting a taste of that. And, uh, you know, he can also throw BP and hit fungos as well, being a graduate manager. Well, certainly high hopes in Greenville for ECU baseball, but there are a lot of other programs with guys able to come back uh, to, uh, to school, guys that uh, maybe would have gone in the draft that did not with the shortened draft. Uh, there are some good teams out there, a lot of depth, not only the American and beyond. Cliff Godwin addressing that question. I tell our guys all the time, like, we're good. We're probably as deep as we've ever been, but we're not the only team saying that. There's a lot of teams out there saying that uh, because the draft was short. And I think college baseball's product that you will see in the talent level will be at the highest you've ever seen it. Uh, because of the shortened MLB draft. So one of the things we've talked about here in the last few minutes, or at least Coach Godwin's talked about, is uh, pitching depth, but also depth of his roster this year and talented depth. Uh, And this is something that uh, certainly you're going to have to have, especially when uh, things go to four games in three days for conference games beginning around Easter time. I don't care if they told us to play five games in three days. We'd show up and we'd play. If the Dodgers showed up on February 19th, we'd play them. We'd probably get beat, but we'd still play them. So um, we're going to take it one day at a time, and when we get to that, we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, we have enough pitching to manage that, um, you know, those weekends. Now we've got to go out there and play well and pitch well and all that good stuff. But – we're in a good situation to be able to get through those four games. And the conference still has not 
came back with a final decision on what day the doubleheader is going to be on. We're pushing for it to be on the first day, except on um, the uh, Easter weekend, which is opening weekend, which it would stay on that Friday. So we play Thursday, Friday, Friday, Saturday, that opening weekend of conference. And then the last weekend going to the conference tournament, it will be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and it will be on the first day for that. As far as we know, we're trying to figure all that stuff out. Um, we also don't know if it'll be two nines, um, you know, on the doubleheader. I'm 99% sure it won't be two sevens because I don't want to play two sevens. I, I want to play at least a nine and a seven, and that's what the majority of the head coaches want. Um, we are also pushing for the major league extra inning rule for um, the four-game series weekends in conference, which I think we have a good chance of let – the NCAA has to just um, basically approve that for us to play, and I think that will go through as well. All right, again, uh, kind of a scattershot approach here. Final question, uh, this was addressing the competition in the outfield. Uh, Bryson Worrell uh, returning was uh, one of the uh, things – that was uh, discussed in this uh, particular uh, question specifically. Uh, here is Coach Godwin. Well, I feel like Bryson and, and Hoove and Franny and Smalls are all going to play out there. I also feel like Riley Johnson, a freshman who uh, dealt with a quad issue in the fall but has proven that he's a gamer. And he's like Lane, except he probably has a little bit more power, um, and he's a gamer. And uh, we're super excited about him. But there's also other guys that could go out there as well. I mean, AMAC is probably the guy that's not talked about as much, and that's Alec Makarevich. Uh, it's way easier to say AMAC for you media people than to try to say that last name. So um, I would go with AMAC. Um, but he's a stud, and he can play third. He can play second. He could probably play short in a pinch. He can play all outfield positions. And he's a switch hitter. So I know one thing that guy's going to play for us. I don't know if he'll be starting on opening day, but there's never been a guy in our program, and this is the highest compliment I can give any person that ever comes to our program, that has gotten more out of every practice that we've ever had at East Carolina than that guy. The intent on every ground ball he takes, every BP session, it's like he's playing for the national championship every single day. And that guy had a great fall. Um, he's had a great preseason up to this point, and we're super excited about him. So he's going to play a lot for us this year. Gotcha. All right, uh, Coach Godwin there, our Pirate Report today. We'll uh, continue on here with a couple of basketball comments, but uh, Jeff Palumbo and Jason Dietrich, uh, Pirate assistant coaches. Uh, tomorrow and throughout the week, uh, Coach Rockefort in for Joe Dooley in the uh, Sunday blowout loss to Memphis at home. This is Coach Rock's reaction to the loss to the Tigers. Um, I thought I thought at the very first of the game, I thought we had a really good start. Um, and I think there was a stretch after that good start where we didn't respond very well to their pressure. Um, we also tried some zone. We thought we could mix some zone uh, in. They hit a couple of threes. Um, and we just didn't respond very well during that period of time. Um, I thought in the second half, you know, we knew we couldn't get it all back. We wanted to keep our guys playing as hard as possible. Um, we broke it into four-minute segments. Uh, I think we won four out of the five segments. Um, so, you know, we're just trying to uh, stay together, uh, keep everybody healthy, um, and get Joe Dooley back. Uh, Coach uh, expected to be back midweek uh, for the game at UCF, but uh, what did Coach Rock think of the effects of a lack of practice in the game yesterday? 
it's uh, it's highly unusual. Um, I think players and coaches are extreme uh, creatures of habit, and you're used to getting into a routine and doing things a certain way. Um, and the starting and the stopping is abnormal, and it's abnormal for the players. I think it's abnormal for the coaches. And then I think when you add on that our leader and our head coach is not here, um, then it makes it even more abnormal. Uh, we won't make any excuses uh, for anything because there's other people going through the same things that we're going through. Um, but it's, it's not easy. More on the Joe Dooley Show coming up tonight. Right now, Ben Byram with an update ahead of uh, Conley volleyball coach Jennifer Gilligan joining us on the PJ Show. Ben? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barham here for your 94th of the game sports update. DH Conley women's volleyball are officially 3A state, state champions. After sweeping Cox Mill three sets to none, Vikings' Maddie May claimed the MVP of the championship game with 10 kills and 8 digs. Meets women's basketball, Shonda Monk was selected to the AAC's weekly honor roll after recording her fourth career double-double in their loss to Tulsa last Wednesday. From Pirate Basketball, we have a scheduling update as Pirate Basketball's previously postponed games against Temple have been rescheduled as a home-and-home season series set for February 11th and the 13th. From Pirate Football, ECU senior tackle Deontay Smith has eventually been invited to the 2021 NFL Combine. Smith was previously ranked on ESPN draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr.'s draft board as the ninth best offensive line prospect in the draft. And former Pirate defensive lineman Hosey Haji Badri has received offers from Texas, Oregon State, West Virginia, and Western Michigan, among others from the transfer portal. Haji Badri announced that he will make a decision in mid to late February. Elsewhere in college football, ECU alum Dwayne Ledford, who is Louisville's offensive coordinator, has been hired by the Atlanta Falcons to be their new offensive line coach. UNC running back coach Robert Gillespie is said to become the new running backs coach at Alabama. Clemson linebacker Mike Jones Jr. has entered his name into the transfer portal. Jones was a starter as a redshirt sophomore for the Tigers this past season. Texas Tech Red Raiders quarterback Alan Bowman has announced he would also enter the transfer portal. And Notre Dame football has been placed on probation for one year over recruiting violations. From the NFL, the Detroit Lions have announced their plans to actively trade quarterback Matthew Stafford. Panthers great and three-time Pro Bowl tight end Greg Olson retired after 14 seasons. He will now join Fox Sports as a broadcaster. Kansas City Chiefs left tackle Eric Fisher will be out for Super Bowl 55 after tearing his Achilles in the Chiefs game against the Bills. A name Panthers fans are familiar with and tackle Mike Rimmers will take his place. The Philadelphia Eagles are expected to hire LA Chargers offensive coordinator Shane Steichen to be their new offensive coordinator. The Indianapolis Colts elevate quarterback coach Marcus Brady as their new offensive coordinator. And former Pittsburgh Steeler now suspended wide receiver Martavis Bryant is signed to the Canadian Football League, joining the Toronto Argonauts. From Major League Baseball, the Players Union has rejected a proposal from the league that would allow universal DH and expanded playoffs. Pablo Sandoval agrees to a minor league contract with the Braves, and Washington Nationals agree to re-sign first baseman Ron Zimmerman to a one-year deal. For your 94th of the game sports update, I'm Ben Barham. Outkick with Clay Pirate football lives on game days right here. On the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94-3, the game. Happening on a Saturday, D.H. Conley with their third volleyball state championship, the Class 3A champs for uh, the season. 
Their coach is Jennifer Gilligan. Coach has been good enough to uh, join us yet again here on the Patrick Johnson Show. Uh, coach, congratulations to you and uh, all of the Conley Viking players. I know everybody's excited. Thank you so much. Yes, we are super excited to bring home the championship to D.H. Conley and to our town. It's just been an exciting weekend for sure. So a real treat for me to be involved in the call on the NFHS uh, network, and I was working with a guy, Paul McDonald, who's uh, coached and called a lot of volleyball, really smart uh, guy when it comes to the sport. He was so impressed with the balance that your team had. I thought uh, that uh, you all were really quick to the ball and and were always putting serves in play on Saturday. That, to me, from a, a bit of a, a novice and certainly not an expert, I seem to be something that you all emphasized and and it kind of got them scrambling a little bit. Your opponent, Cox Mill, was was that was that just a mechanism of the way you all play, or was that part of the game plan Saturday? You know, that's just one of the things that we have tried to work on over the last couple of years. We went to the state championship a couple of years ago and kind of got beat by a team that was just moving the ball quicker than we were. So we focused on that over the last couple of years, tried to improve, and um, our girls definitely executed it on Saturday. You know, uh, Coach Jennifer Gilligan, by the way, with us uh, here, Conley Volleyball Coach, her second state title on Saturday as they uh, swept through Cox Mill in, two, in three really very competitive uh, sets. I want to ask Coach about that third set here in just a moment and uh, about the match overall. But uh, the thing that I, uh, you know, we talked about on the broadcast, and, and I'm sure that you have uh, seen all year long, it's just not one or two players. This is a very balanced team you had this year. Absolutely. Um, you know, our team has just been well-rounded all the way around. I mean, we have great defense led by a couple backward players, Carson Corey, Maddie May, and Caroline Dobson. And then we have, for the first time in a long time, have just a solid front row um, players that are able to execute play from all over the net. So um, I feel like we were the type of team that, didn't really have to rely on one or even two players. Anybody that we put on our court could get the job done, and and I think that showed on Saturday. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coach, uh, Maddie May was the uh, MVP, 10 kills, uh, as uh, part of her day on uh, on uh, uh, Saturday. Uh, and, and it could have gone to probably any number of uh, players, but again, you all just were uh, uh, so good and so balanced, but Maddie May was really special for you, the junior. Yeah, Maddie's had a great season for us. Um, she's a very competitive young lady, really works hard all season long on the game of volleyball, great leader on the court. She has a lot of expectations, not only for herself and her teammates. Um, she's the kid at practice that pushes everybody to step up, you know, the level of practice each and every day. So it was definitely nice to see her be recognized for that on Saturday. Yeah. Boy, uh, the Philpott sisters were, were great, too, especially uh, early on, Ashlyn Philpott, the freshman. Uh, and, uh, again, you, you really could have gone with anybody as the MVP. That's how balanced uh, the performance yeah. was. But the Philpott sisters were, were really, uh, really aggressive and really dominant at the net. But then uh, Ashlyn was great uh, on the outside for you as well. Right. Ashlyn has really stepped up as a freshman. She's had to fill big roles all season long. She's played right side for us, and she's transitioned to the outside, just really depending on what we needed. And, you know, watching her play on Saturday, if you didn't see on paper that when she was a freshman, you certainly would not have believed it. And Ella has been strong in the net 
not only with her hitting, but her blocks. She had some huge blocks on Saturday, you know, the game or match point was a big block from her. And yeah. it was nice to see those two girls um, both have successful seasons. I also felt like Sarah Dees had an excellent match. Um, our middle hitter, who's a senior, she, I think she probably had one of the best matches of her career on Saturday. And I was just happy to see that for her. Yeah, like I mean, you, you almost hate to call names because uh, you leave someone <laughs> yeah. off. I mean, uh, you know, I'd kind of I don't want to say forgotten, but I, I overlooked and omitted Deezer a little bit. She was great in the yeah. regional final, but uh, she was Absolutely. dynamite. She was dynamite on Saturday night uh, mm-hmm. as well. You had uh, talked about last week a couple of players that were due to contact tracing not able to uh, to play. Uh, I love the way that your team <laughs> had their jerseys on the seats uh, of, right. of the bench. And then as soon as it was over, went and grabbed those jerseys. Uh, they wanted Absolutely. to celebrate, but they wanted to grab those jerseys. I, I, I know that's uh, a little of a touchy subject, probably a little of an emotional <laughs> subject. Uh, but uh, I'm, I'm sure those young ladies were thrilled uh, that you're, that their teammates uh, won, won a championship that they're very much a part of as well. Yes, they were right with us every step of the way. Um, we were just determined to keep them a part of that team um they you know were not with us the saturday that we played chapel hill and then they missed out on the rose match and and definitely you know missed out on saturday's match only by a few hours but our team did a great job of keeping them involved you know they were facetiming them on the bus ride up to carry and every locker room before we played every match afterwards they were right there with us and we were determined to make them as much a part of the championship as if they were with us physically. Just really unfortunate that they missed the opportunity to play in it, but they're as much a champion as any other girl on our team and just super proud of them. And, you know, they, they could have been in school, you know, from about middle of last week until the weekend. So those girls were in the parking lot with our families that couldn't come in to watch and they were right there with us. So it was kind of a sweet, Sweet ending. Yeah. Uh, Coach Jennifer Gilligan, Conley, your 3A volleyball champions for this season. Uh, Coach, you had said this was the uh, the longest, uh, <laughs> shortest season or shortest, longest. I forget the terminology. But, I mean, this was this this was certainly ripe with challenges, uh, not only on the court, but everything off the court, which you just chronicled a little bit there. Uh, probably made the victory, I, I think, that much uh, more gratifying for you, I'm sure, and for the team. Yes, you know, early on back in June, I even made a comment to my athletic director and he reminded me of this after the game on Saturday. You know, I said, you, this team, this team got it. This team can go far in the playoffs. This team has the potential to win a championship. And he reminded me that immediately following the game, um, just a special group and, and they were all about being a great team. There was, you know, no jealousy on the team. There was, just a bunch of girls that had the same goal to win the championship and they supported each other. We had plenty of challenges throughout the season dealing with COVID and protocols and quarantines, um, you know, having to change our lineup. I bet we changed it three or four times throughout the season, but our girls stepped up to the challenge each day and I could not be more proud of a group. Uh, I think it's just a great testament of what, a wonderful group of young ladies they are, not only on the volleyball court, but also just in their everyday life. And uh, 
Certainly, Cox Mill, very representative uh, team, a very big uh, team, and uh, <laughs> a team that, uh, I mean, th- those sets really could have gone either way. You hear that said, but, I mean, legitimately could have gone either way. They were leading, in fact, in, in the uh, deciding set, and uh, you all, after a great run, but you all went on a run. So uh, I imagine if it's the old adage, if you play 10 times, the teams might split. <laughs> I mean, that's that's how tight it was. Absolutely. Um, you know, when you're in the moment of the match, you often overlook the score. I know that sounds really strange, but you get to 25 and you're like, okay, we won that one. Move on to the next one. And I really didn't realize it until we got to the press conference after the match. And they were like, you realize those matches were all 23, 25. And, you know, there were times that I felt like, wow, this is really tight. And then there were times where I felt like we had, you know, a two or three point comfortable lead and we were just pushing for the next point. Um, We talked to our kids, all week, well, really all playoffs about playing every single point, not trying to look at the big picture, but focusing on outworking the other team every single point. And our girls did it. Cox Mill is a very strong volleyball program. Their outside hitter, Raven, she just, wow, she's just an amazing high school volleyball player. Um, but, you know, our, our Vikings went up there and played hard, and I think they – gave 110% and we're just incredibly proud to bring home the championship. Coach, I uh, thank you for your time. It's been great talking to you over these last few weeks. And uh, now that you've warmed up to being on the radio so much, we'll have to get you and make you a co-host soon or something like that. So we'll, oh, my. Okay. We'll, we'll work with your people on that because now you're very much in demand after another state title. Uh, congratulations. Well, we, we're happy for y'all. Thank you. And we really appreciate your coverage at the Eastern Finals as well as Saturday. It was Nice having a hometown person up there doing the commentating <laughs> in a friendly face. So thank you for all you do. I tried just to be down the middle as best I could, but I was, <laughs> was happy that you all uh, won on uh, on uh, Saturday, especially because that was uh, that was a fun uh, day to be a part of. Coach, thank you. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Bye. There she is, uh, Jennifer Gilligan, Conley volleyball coach. Great to have her on with us. All right, uh, that'll do it. Joe Dooley Show coming up next. Thanks to Coach Gilligan. Thanks to Cliff Godwin. Ben Byram. Great job as always. DJ Squirrelbot. Ryan Winter. Wonderful job there. Uh, tomorrow, more Pirate Baseball Media Day. Jeff Palumbo, Coach Dietrich, and more. Uh, some comments and highlights from the Dooley Show. So there's plenty ahead tomorrow. Join us. 5 o'clock, Patrick Johnson Show.